Hey everybody, it's Leah here with your content warnings for this episode. Uh, part 2 of This Party Sucks, where we recap the episode and then we've got an interview with the creator themselves. Same trigger warnings as last week uh, when it comes to like breakups and substance abuse. Uh, and then also uh, in our interview we talk a little bit about TTRPGs and kink. And with that out of the way, here's the episode. Episode 1B of the GTRTP LGBT TTRPG cast. Um, our, our recap of our experience playing This Party Sucks, uh, and then a brief discussion about Beating the Binary's other TTRPG that's part of the Trans Rights for Texas itch.io bundle uh, called Roller Rink Redux, uh, which is like a solo exploration game about. Uh, doing things that used to scare you um, as a as a as an adult or as a, a more queer evolved version of yourself and what that's like. Um, so we'll get into all of that. My name's Leah and my pronouns are they them. My name is John and my pronouns are he him. And once more, our very special guest Dante. Hello, my name is Dante and my pronouns are any. Cool. Every uh, time I hear that. Uh onslaught of acronyms that is our title i become more and more sure that we made the right decision oh yeah <laughs> and it, it's it's perfect for the logo oh i just i'm so glad we came up with this i mean oh, maybe yeah. like a year into it we'll wake up like this was all some horrifying dream like what were we doing <laughs> but every time i hear you say it i'm just like um, I'm, I'm just kind of like flashback to high school and saying, saying like, oh God, I hope the teacher doesn't call on me. I cannot do that. I cannot say that. Please like, open your TTRPG to no. LGBT. <laughs> oh my God. I can't. Um, Dante, would you like to explain the chapter to the class? Oh God. Um, anyway, but yeah, so, uh, a week has passed, uh, since we played a little more than a week. Um, and we've uh john and i have listened back dante is is fresh from the experience alone um yeah thinking back on it uh i i realized earlier today we never i don't think we ever came up with a reason why the breakup happened in the first place between no we didn't uh, that was all that was always um uh, obscured yeah and i i don't know if that's just because well so in my mind, it was because each of us was bringing something maybe from a personal breakup to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, and, and, you know, this, this game, I think has a lot to do with people g- dealing with their own personal emotions around breakups and things. So, you know, and, and not only do we not give a reason for the breakup, I don't even think we ever talked about it or felt like that was something that was missing. Not we much. Doing it. Um, and I feel like that has uh, both, like mechanical and um like flavor reasons like i don't i think we didn't bring it up much because you know we were all inhabiting uh our main character biscuit uh who is trying to get beyond the breakup and so explicitly doesn't want to talk about it but also the ending move for a scene is think about your ex (laughs) so that's true yeah so that's like the door um you so are, I, I, it, it's definitely uh it, it's definitely like 
pushing you into like the the mechanics of the game are definitely pushing you into like you know exploring the orbit around the breakup i do think it is really interesting that we never came up with a reason why they broke up and i guess i feel like it it ultimately didn't doesn't matter Mm -hmm. or it's you know it's not about um jc and biscuit this story is about biscuit um (laughs) and without putting any extra baggage of like you know um biscuit was cheated on or someone cheat or or like jc or like a biscuit cheated on somebody um or like or who knows what happened like keeping all of that extraneous i think like the loss and the uh awkwardness that follows a breakup of losing someone who's like a fixture in your life is like the same across the board Mm -hmm. it definitely didn't feel like it was a shitty breakup though like none of us mm-hmm. brought energy into this where we resent i don't think any of us brought energy into this where we resented jc is that a uh, true for y'all yeah I, I think so i think a lot of it at least this i think it was for me that i kind of didn't uh like say anything about what the breakup could potentially be because i was kind of like prepared to yes and either of you mm-hmm. and uh but i kind of feel like i mean that we may have all been just like holding open the door for each other and then we none of us went through the door <laughs> so to yeah. speak like but like eh, whatever that, is a, that I, was a big narrative decision to make <laughs> yeah it was it was i don't know like as you said though like maybe we could have but i don't know we didn't want to i guess we, none of us really wanted to make that the uh focus yeah yeah i think the focus was definitely more how do <clears throat> how does biscuit respond to a big like emotionally traumatic event like that um and then how would we as the three of us sort of respond to something like that um yeah i definitely i feel like i i brought a little bit of that um to biscuit um mm-hmm. and, and you know my my biscuit scene was in the large house party yeah um, which i've been to and i've definitely like i remember the big house party in austin that people would go to usually uh was this weird house that had a ball pit mm-hmm. on like the third floor what? just like oh. in, it was like you had to go through someone's bedroom and then like a closet and then there was just a room with a ball pit in it uh, not like not like a dash con like inflatable <laughs> ball pit like a wooden enclosure I was thinking about it about four feet tall fully filled with balls that's so, awesome super wild i want to um, get invited to this house party that sounds badass uh no you don't because the first thing that i thought of was uh how do you clean that and the answer is you don't so <laughs> <laughs> no you don't <laughs> my immune system is up for it i'm here oh, for an adventure no. Oh, Dante, it's fine. They made us take our shoes off. No, wait. You know how it gets cleaned? It gets ethanol sterilized by people spilling their drinks in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> can you imagine what the bottom of that thing must look like? No, I don't no, want to. I mean, I can I. imagine it. I don't want to. <laughs> I cannot uh, so, and should not and will not. <laughs> do we want to go over, like, do we want to do, like, a brief story recap of what happened with Biscuit? Like, just kind of the days, the events? Uh, yeah, I yeah. I think that would be a great way for us each to talk about how we were feeling, I guess. Um, yeah. So, 
John, you went first. Yeah, you so I'll, how about, bit? like, yeah, I'll lead the discussion. We each lead the discussion on the day we were Biscuit. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, we'll we'll I, make them quick since we have yeah. uh, a little bit more time before our interview. Yeah, so. super quick. Uh, so I was the first day. So the first thing that I did, I remember, was I needed to pick a, the cope act- action, and I 100% pulled from my own life on that. Like, after one of the hardest breakups I've ever been through, I start, I got a workout buddy and started going with, uh, and started going with him. And so it was, it was very natural for me to make that biscuits coping mechanism. But what, uh, but what definitely added dimensionality to it was, I'm thinking of like doing that as a trans mask man, as opposed to like a cis man and how that gave texture and, uh, like thoughtfulness to like, Hmm, like this, I bet this isn't as easy, you know, for someone who's like going through a transitioning body. Um, but uh, moving yeah, the on, the gym is not a, as safe a space yes. for queer people um, necessarily. I guess depending on the place, you know. I, I think that's a fairly uncontroversial statement. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Biscuit then decides to go to a local coffee shop, which is hosting an open mic night. It's the opening of an open mic mic night. And uh, Biscuit's shown up and sees that um, a friend of JC, their ex, um, the friend's name is Vivian, has shown up with uh, her goth friends and is uh, hung out in a corner. Uh, JC, uh, or rather Biscuit, uh, avoids them and instead goes to, like, you know, pick up a cider. The cider is good. It's that weird celery cider that gives him a nice surprise. Still Um, proud of that. Yeah. And uh, they meet uh, a cool new person, Lucy from Lu- uh, from <laughs> Lucy and the Bricks, uh, the yeah. theremin player and Ben <clears throat> and uh, Ben Folds cover. So that's what I really like about uh, how this game ended up playing out. That I don't think I would have mm-hmm. expected beforehand is that because we're doing three days and we're switching responsibilities for who's controlling who mm-hmm. it really makes sense for these characters to like keep popping up yeah uh, or for us to keep drawing on them so in this first scene we're planting seeds that will then pay off you know Absolutely. in the last scene yeah um, i i love the way that that worked um but yeah so um biscuit hits it off with lucy um biscuit then goes over and like works up the courage to go hang out with this uh old friend who was associated with jc um eventually like a friend of that friend begins bringing up kind of like oh i thought you and jc were still together why'd y'all break up um and uh, kind of like becomes invasive about that which ruins the mood a little but not before rain uh rings uh saves them uh and they get to eject from that conversation hard uh yeah and that was kind of like the end of that um, was a like, you know, trying to re- branch out and do something new, but inevitably having like uh, your connection with your ex, like find its way into that experience. And uh, that teed us up for, um, I believe it was you, Leah. who had Yeah. To. Well, so I definitely for the cope, I went uh, weed and games, um, which... <laughs> You know, I, uh, when I feel very overwhelmed in general, emotionally, I tend to isolate a little more. Um, uh, and, mm-hmm. and it, I was talking with someone about this today. I know the introvert extrovert thing is like, um, mostly, 
pop science or pop psychology um but it's not based in nothing you know mm-hmm. um so i i really do need that time to be very personal and undisturbed to recharge um and it it may not be like the healthiest to involve you know drugs and and uh you know staring at a, staring at a screen for however long into that but um there are aspects of it that are very nice yeah, I mean, it, um, it depends on what you mean by healthy, right? Like, it might yeah, not be healthy yeah. to do that, but I can also see it, like, you know, being something healthy. It definitely, like, last night was a really rough night for me, and, you know, a little bit of weed helped fix that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, I, I can definitely see, like, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of assistance uh, with, like, getting yourself out of a bad mindset. Um. Okay, so third night um coping was from the fallout of the party uh did we go over the house party at all uh oh i i i think i had talked about that enough earlier um as far as like um sort of what i was bringing to it and and everything but uh yeah dante do you want to talk through the ending and then we'll we'll get to our cool fun interview yeah um well something that i noticed um actually about um just through me not remembering what the coping was was that like that's not even what like that's not even like my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. like so that's weird but i was like oh this is like the logical progression not necessarily what i would do Biscuit but, was taking on a life of their own. Yeah, I was. I was like role playing. Like, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> didn't even. Weird. I did, I know it's so crazy. That's not allowed in this channel. <laughs> like, I. I wasn't even. I wasn't even thinking like. About like, just, I was just like, if I was this person, this is probably where, I would go. Mm-hmm. This isn't where Dante would go. Mm-hmm. but this is where certainly where biscuit would go yeah so it just made sense to me that this is what like i i think it was completely do. within character especially for us establishing that biscuit uh like a a fallback coping mechanism that biscuit has been using is like numbing things out um, yeah and definitely a like a harder lean on that lever would be you know like drinking until you fall asleep yeah, it's definitely like, a like a hard point for Biscuit, and you know, a, a moment that I I felt like sympathetic towards. Um, so it definitely felt real, even if it wasn't like your coping mechanism that you were bringing to the game. Yeah, I think that is a that I think I don't I don't know if I want to go as far as to say I think that would be like um, a characteristic of this game is that the third person is like the third person who controls like the character is always going to be the yes and person yeah that's interesting you know but like i mean i didn't like i certainly did not mind but Mm -hmm. i was like i don't know if it's just a me thing that i was analyzing like the behavior and then being like okay what's the next logical progression yeah well that's good improv yeah (laughs) it's just (laughs) um but, um, yeah. So, so how was the concert for Biscuit? Um, concert went 
again, I'm trying to remember it. Yeah. I, I went pretty... Do, do you want I, me to, I, like, throw you a bone here? Like, yeah, please. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Not in this so, channel. <laughs> so, um, Biscuit uh, returned to the coffee house um, to go see Lucy and the Bricks, um, who were headlining for uh, another band, um, Bike Spokes. Um, and, uh... Just yeah. everything we came up uh, for in this game was hipster Austin shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, uh, how much, like, uh, how much of, how much of, like, Austin hipsterhood, uh, like, got into this. Yeah. Um, um and then, uh, Bricks, a, a new character, and the other half of Lucy and the Bricks ended up being sort of a romantic interest for Biscuit moving oh. forward. Or not romantic, I don't know. Uh, just I making that's friends. That's a fun read. I didn't read it that way. I didn't. I didn't intend to play bricks that way. But that's super fun that you read it that way. Oh yeah. I mean see. potential. Like, I don't think I. Th I think that's pretty harmless. Like, yeah, being, for sure. There's potential for platonic or romantic. Yeah. Like, that's. I mean, that's kind of like the best ending is like open ended like that. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least that's what I. I thought. Yeah, I, I really liked how uh, I really liked how the character of Lucy came back and became this like new avenue of like uh, a, a budding friend circle where like mm -hmm. we got to meet Lucy and we got to meet Bricks, who was like, uh, you know, her other member of the band. Uh, and like they both ended up being cool. And there's like, you know, it, there was there's also some like moments of honesty there. Whereas I remember as Bricks, like I um I offered to like you know I heard about I heard you mentioned the breakup and then wanted to talk about it, um, but and and you're like nope don't want to do it uh, and I was like that's totally fine how about a beer because then the scene's over yeah <laughs> meta gamer um, yeah there was also uh, a a powerfully awkward scene uh, that I tried to inject in there with um, a a different X not JC. But That's another true. ex yeah. found you at the concert. Older ex. And someone who knew Biscuit uh, pre-transition, too, and didn't yeah. know. Oh, that was me injecting myself. Mm -hmm. when, oh. when, when, they, when they were like, actually, no. <laughs> like, when they were like, no, actually, I'm not taking... I'm not taking this right now. I will mm -hmm. not engage with no. this person. And... I'm not doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I it. really tried to capture that specific brand of, like, uh, that specific of brand my of everyday interactions. That is, like, I, I haven't seen you in forever, therefore, and I'm not going to make space for this new person that you were, uh, that you are, or mm. that, like, um, and, like, I'm not going to, like, uh, you know, treat this with any sensitivity. Um, mm -hmm. So it was just constant, like, uh, awkward stammering and the expectation, and, like, uh, uh, being affronted that you're upset that I'm not, that, like, I'm dead naming you. Um. Yeah, but, like, it, it's the, the very nuanced thing where, like, they're not doing it with, like, any malicious intent. No. But, like, almost, like... But there's no degree of self-awareness self yeah, or, like... Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just or totally to unfeeling. Yeah. It's the equivalent of someone, instead of saying they're sorry for what they did, it's like, I'm sorry you feel bad. Exactly. <laughs> kind of. Yes, uh, exactly yeah, exactly that. Yeah. That's what I was trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel good about that. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, I'm ready to jump into to our wider discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Welcome to... Uh, 
the part two of our recap episode, uh, <laughs> where we're very lucky to have the uh, creator of the game we played last week, This Party Sucks, uh, here with us to interview. Um, so, uh, again, uh, I'm Leah, my pronouns are they, them. My name is Moss, my pronouns are they and them. Uh, and also uh, joining us for the first time, a future guest host, uh, Ollie. Uh, my name is Ollie, my pronouns are he, him, zem, and am. Excellent. Sweet. Well, Bill Coleman, I'm so excited that um, yeah. Moss, you're joining us for this podcast. How, what a crazy get that we have an author on episode one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aw, I'm honored that you think I'm a get. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we uh, when we first picked up the bundle, um, which, by the way, were you like approached about that? Did you see it? Um, how did you get into the, the bundle? Twitter and also a lot of RPG creator Discord groups, which uh, help people coordinate bundles. Uh, There's so many, so I don't actually remember (laughs) what I found first, because both it was going around on Twitter, and then it was Mm -hmm. going around in RPG Discords, and then after the bundle came out, my friends started linking me to it because they thought I'd find it cool, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm in it, and they're like, ah, sweet, and I was like, (laughs) That's so so cool. Just generally being embedded in trans RPG spaces for better and for worse, because also Twitter is exhausting, and I wouldn't be on it if I was not a game designer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I totally get that. But that's so cool. So you, you like, heard the rumor that Itch was putting together um, a bundle to support trans rights in Texas, uh, and, like, uh, just, like, submitted your work to it? Yeah, I mean, the processes are pretty easy, and as Mm -hmm. far as I know, they're not coordinated by, like, Itch as a site itself. It's okay. Interesting. people who coordinate it. Anyone can create a bundle on Itch if mm-hmm. they have gotcha. an account and they coordinate with others. Uh, the reason that there's so many Discord groups is that uh, the thing that does have to happen is you need to submit to the bundle. I don't know the logistics of adding a thing to the bundle on the back end because I haven't made one myself. But uh-huh. once you're added, everyone who's in the bundle needs to approve it before it can go live. Oh my that god! Like so think about that for think about that for the bundle <laughs> for like racial justice. Uh huh. Back mm-hmm. when that happened, there's it's yeah. Or like the bundle magical. for Ukraine that's come out recently yeah. has like a thousand <laughs> different individual pieces of media in it. Like yeah, that's nuts. That's the wild piece of that. So you end up, usually you get, like, Twitter DM'd, and everyone gets pinged on the Discord, <laughs> and, like, every way they have of contacting you, they go, hey, but it's time to go, please approve it, so we can <laughs> well, put it out brilliant. on this date. But yeah, I've been in a number of bundles. I was in the bundle for racial justice and equity. Oh, great. Too, awesome. which, um, so it's interesting to see having been into, like, mega charity bundles now, mm-hmm. because what happens is your views and downloads spike absurdly. Mm-hmm. Like, I went from, like, you know, two-digit views per day to, like, over a thousand views per day kind of a deal. And then it goes back down over time, but it doesn't go all the way back down because these bundles are so gigantic Mm -hmm. that I think what's happening, my general sense is that people are still going in and looking at the bundle weeks or months after they bought it and browsing around it. So after the, like, bundle for racial justice went up, my views have now stayed fractionally higher than they were beforehand, just kind of continually. That's the fun. ever That's so cool. often people who own that gigantic bundle running into it. Uh-huh. And so now this was another spike, you know, that eclipsed all of my uh, previous cool. stats from the past several months <laughs> and things. But yeah, and bundles happen in all kinds of scales too. Like I've been in mega charity bundles, but there's also bundles, you know, that people will put together for smaller projects mm-hmm. or bundles where the money's going directly to the creators. 
where yeah. often it'll be, hey, let's all band together, bundle our games around a certain theme or concept, and essentially cross-promote each other that way. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Do you usually submit um, uh, This Party Sucks in these bun in these bundles, or is it, like, your latest work? Usually what I submit is the most thematically relevant work, and if it's okay. general purpose or there isn't a specific theme, then I submit This Party Sucks because it's kind of my biggest, most robust game project, mm -hmm. so it feels mm -hmm. like I'm adding mm -hmm. the most value. But sometimes if there's a specific kind of theme, then I'm like, okay, yeah. this is the game with the correct vibe <laughs> for cool. this, have, you know? You I'm trying to think game, of specific examples. Have you designed but... a game, like, for a bundle to match a theme? I've never designed a game for a bundle, but I have done a lot of game jams. Yeah, um, that was going to be my follow-up. Yeah, cause, and again, like, a lot games. of the ways I've gotten involved involved some sort of, like, mega events that were coordinated through Twitter and Discord, like the, um, the sad mech jam. <laughs> one of the first, the first big times that tabletop RPG creators used the game jam function on itch, where mm -hmm. for a wild little chunk of time, a solid 10% of all the tabletop games on itch were from the sad mech jam. Wow. I, I've made a game for that. It's very scrappy. I've played it. I've played it once, but um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's my best work, but it's a work I'm proud of because it got the ball rolling and figuring out how to do game jams and write on those yeah, conceptual that's awesome. themes. And This Party Sucks came out of a game jam. Oh, so uh, awesome. That's very cool. What, uh, what game jam did it come out of? It came out of Record Collection Jam, hmm. which uh, the premise, as you might be able to intuit, was uh, make a game that's inspired by a song or an album of music or artists. Yes. Oh, and so, okay. as it says on like the title page of the game, it is inspired by the queer folk punk album Tempest in a Teacup by Mal Blanc. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which has so a bunch actually... of songs, including one called Altitude, parentheses, that this party sucks. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of songs about going to parties, being awkward, obsessing over your ex, weird little discomfort details of life, uh -huh. like bad shrimp and awkward conversations and drinking too much. And all of that kind of general energy of being a messy 20-something with gender feelings and relationship feelings. Yeah. Who's not necessarily <laughs> working them out in the best way, but is attempting to work them out. I don't know what that's like. And then it sort of wraps up in this interestingly gentle way mm -hmm. with a song that's literally about how things are eventually going to be fine. And how mm -hmm. you think that on yeah. the whole you will eventually be fine. Was that and a so I literally just. Day? I forget if that one. No, there's a song. I'll, you no, know, I'm Valentine's look up Day the name is second now. to last because Valentine's Day is super intense. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you've turned a chorus that's literally "Let's stop cheating on each other this yes. Valentine's yes. Day." Uh, yeah, you get a lot of. There's a lot of interesting energies. I'm gonna look up these song names. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a cool album, yeah. by uh, by the way, everybody. Tempest in Teacup. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I no, right. Valentine's on, Day um, is the end. I'm not sure if the song oh. I'm thinking of that even talks about being fine is in this or if I'm just forgetting the name. <laughs> but I literally just listened to the album on repeat mm -hmm. a few times while I was writing the rough draft. Yeah. And then Malblum's wider discography had some influences too. And then as I play tested it and revised it, it increased and got influences from just the other queer and trans people in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, like when I was brainstorming, especially the prompt suggestion lists mm -hmm, for different specifics. things. Uh, yeah, my friend E.T. was character. like, divorce party! And I'm like, what's a divorce party? What's a party you have because you're excited you got divorced? And I'm like, fair enough, have you been to one? And they're like, several! And I'm like, okay, it's going on the list of party types. <laughs> several! I wouldn't have thought to add that, but there's a restaurant, rock on! There's a restaurant at a mall by me that has, like, advertisements for what you can reserve their space for. And, like, in big letters on the side of the building, it says, divorce party! And I've laughed at that ever since that restaurant was oh built. My God. That's it's amazing. Just some sub market we don't know about, I guess. 
Honestly, oh. even though I have no reason to have a divorce party personally, that would make me more likely to reserve that restaurant for something. I just would appreciate the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, since then, I haven't been to any divorce parties, but one of my grad classmates did have um, a really excellent and relatively elaborate the engagement is canceled, like anti-wedding party. Whoa. Um, because her fiancé turned out to be an absolute POS. Um mm. And That's so, super metal. The engagement is canceled. It was amazing. I wasn't at it, but the photos were very metal. Like she burnt the like marriage certificate they would have signed. Yo, <laughs> they were that close that they had it a was dope. certificate already. That's yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is. Crazy. So I appreciate all the flavor that everyone brings this game when they play it, and I also. I've listened to about two-thirds of the initial episode so far, and a thing that delighted me was yes, that I heard multiple of you. Yeah, I mean, I wanted a little bit of context. I wanted to see a little bit of what y'all's gameplay style was like, because it's still wild to me a lot of the time to remember that my games have been played in contexts beyond me where I couldn't see uh-huh. them. <laughs> it's very exciting and very gratifying and very surreal. Like, this game has been played at at least one convention I wasn't at, and I found out, like, second or third hand, and I don't uh-huh. know who ran it. And so I'm just like, I don't know, someone ran it. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I want to know who! I want to go ask them how it went, but I don't know who. I don't even remember the convention anymore. <laughs> I wasn't there. That must um, feel really cool. Uh, it's very to, cool. Yeah, to hear that, like, a game has, like, the game that you designed is like touched someone like second or third hand away like th- it's there's wild. that like distance between what you've created and it going out into the world like that and that's, that's so exciting that's really cool because that's i think one of the coolest things about rpgs is that they are inherently collaborative like the experience yes. of playing them is so distinct from the experience of writing them and even mm-hmm. from play testing them um though that bears more resemblance to general play and so it makes me so happy. It's just like, oh, I just I got to put my baby out in the world, and now other people are telling tender, messy, weird, funny, painful stories. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, so good. I was like already losing my shit when you named the lead character Biscuit, <laughs> <laughs> and then made some like non-binary name culture jokes. Because I mean, my fucking name's Moss, like. Um, you know, I know on which side my bread is buttered. It is a family name in my case, but it's also a nature name because I'm an environmental educator by trade a lot of the time. Oh, cool. Um, so. Um, yeah. Sh- going back to like, the collaborative. The, the venue we all share. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but like the collaborative nature of this game, uh, again, something that just occurred to me like after we played it. I mean, it, it is a GMless game. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, and we we each sort of take turns. Like I, I'd say, like the venue maybe has the most control from like a world perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and occasionally we would do things like, hey, roll for something just just for fun, because again, yeah. John and I have a long history of playing role playing games. <laughs> Your banter um, was so tasty. Oh, these are people who have fun gaming together. This is oh, awesome. I that's delightful to hear. It was delightful to listen to. <laughs> um, hear that? We're delightful to listen to, Leah. <laughs> ah. At least Five one star person delightful so. to listen to. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, you heard us a little bit before, just airing our recap. Um, I, I don't know if you were here for this part, but I was saying. Um, I love how like the three party structure, at least for us, we were sort of planting seeds in the first party. Yes. Um, like like uh, again, who I saw as uh, like maybe a romantic interest or a friend interest or someone mm-hmm. uh, that came back around in the third 
uh, party, uh, and that, mm-hmm. you know, neither of us, like, n- no one was, like, pushing the planchette on the Ouija board or anything, but we were still <laughs> getting, like, a very cool, like, story arc for Biscuit. Yeah. yeah. Um, that made me very yeah. happy, because mm-hmm. that is very much, I have definitely seen games play out like that, too. You often have themes that return, or people who return, or both, um, and... I also found it, mild digression, then I'll get back to this more, I found it yeah, really yeah, hilarious yeah. when y'all started making furry jokes, because I have done a playthrough of this game that where the third uh, party was at a furry convention. Oh, wonderful. And the connection between the protagonist and their ex was that they were both um, artists who were hev- heavily involved in the furry commission scene. Nice. And so kept being in the same professional circles, even though they mm-hmm. had had a messy, messy breakup. Oh, wow. Um, Ooh, that's very interesting. They were, like, at the same, like, convention after parties. Yeah. And things. And so that was, like, a te- constant tension to try to avoid each other. That is that is a very interesting texture to it. Yeah. But I also, mm-hmm. I love um, the GMless nature was very intentional on my part, mm-hmm. and I don't think I have it written in the game text specifically but there are two games that are take very... Actually, there's three games that take very heavy um, credit for how I wrote this game. Microscope uh-huh. by Ben Robbins is one, because that's where I got the palette from okay. as a setup oh, yeah. mechanic. Um, and I really, really enjoy that. And I've used that in a lot of non-microscope games. And mm-hmm. it kind of became socioculturally the norm in a lot of my RPG playing friend group spaces to use the palette to do rough, quick world building when you're starting to play a game that doesn't give you a preset world or tone. Yeah. It, it um, seems like an, an expansion of... Uh, have you heard of... I'm sure you have. Lines and Veils. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it seems like, yeah, it seems like, very much like a cousin to Lines that. and Veils. Um, I kind of wanted to chime in, because that, that is yes. what I said when... Uh, I, don't, I think that part made it into the episode. You did say where that I was in saying the recording, it's, yeah. It's kind of like Lines and Veils. Now, like, in retrospect, I think that's kind of limiting, where, where you know, Lines and Veils are like, here are the things that will make me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm only just now thinking about palette, like a, like a paint palette. Like you're actually you're creating the things you can yes. all draw from. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, linguistic. We, you know, we did end up point. going through and like you know finding the things that we wanted to say yes to and and all that. Um, but yeah, no, I just I wanted to make a note that you know this is this is um, you can have this and you can have lines and veils. Yes, so, yeah. and I think intentionally, like part of why I use the palette a lot is that I found for people who are less familiar with how to use RPG safety tools or less mm-hmm. comfortable with mm-hmm. RPG safety tools, especially if, say, you are playing with strangers. Mm-hmm. It is not as yeah. much formatted explicitly around let's talk about our vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. It's just, exactly. here's what would be fun to have in the game, here's what would not be fun to have in the game. Yeah. You obviously yeah. can use it as a very strong like consent and boundary setting tool, and I think folks who are familiar with safety tools understand that that's part of what it's doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I find it as a way to kind of slide that in with people you don't have long established rapport with who That's may have cool. different degrees of comfort diplomatic. in terms of being like, Oh yeah, I'm ready to talk about vulnerable topics that will stress me out. If we put them in the game, I definitely <laughs> trust that you strangers will not use this against me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It adds one level of abstraction to that. And I think that helps people sometimes. I've also often um, when I am facilitating games and I'm using mm-hmm. the palette, I will put as an example for the no column, um, one of a couple things. One is, also I'll use the X card a yep. lot when I'm talking about game mechanics, and my common thing to demo when talking about the X card is that you might want to X a name. Be like, rename that character. And that mm. doesn't have to be because of a trauma, though it could be, it uh-huh. could also just be, I'm gonna be distracted, you named a character out of the same name as my mom. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's gonna mess with the, my, that's, it's gonna take me out of the fiction. Um, yeah, rename yeah, yeah, that yeah. character. That's a good example. 
you know, and for um, the palette and for X cards, a thing that I have um, often used as a demo because it's not about trauma, but it's just about something. One of my friends doesn't like talking animals <laughs> as a narrative element. It just, they just, it came out. He doesn't enjoy how they flow narratively. He puts uh -huh. talking animals in no columns. Um, okay. And that's like an example that like helps people not feel like they have to put only the most like grim or painful stuff. It could also be, I've played like, th this mm -hmm. is a multi-day convention. I've played like three sci-fi games. I don't want to be on a space. <laughs> no, uh -huh. we're not in space. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can use it for a lot of things. And we've, we've wandered a lot through different topics. The other thing my brain had in it um, was game inspirations. Microscope's a big one. Yes. Um, another big one is a Downfall which I don't know if any of you have run into. I have it, not. It is a three-player game where you rotate character roles. You are playing through the downfall of a civilization, like a oh. community that's crumbling and falling apart. And the three roles are um, essentially the like heroic figure trying to save society from its fatal flaw, uh -huh. the villain character who's essentially like fine with the fatal flaw and is happy to uh -huh. further its effects, they may not believe that it's bad, or they may know that it's bad and not care. And then the pillar, who is sort of the status quo character, mm -hmm. who hasn't really grappled with the fact that they're living in a society that has some toxic shit in its foundation. Yeah. And you wow. rotate between scenes between the three roles. And when you are, even if your character that you're playing is not in the scene, mm -hmm. if your character is not in the scene, that means you then embody that tonal influence in the world. Mm. So if the villain character isn't in the scene, it's a scene between the hero and the pillar. Um, the the Fallen, I think, is the character title name, you would still represent the sort of negative aspect, the ongoing destruction, yeah, the manifestations of the tension. flaw, um, to create tension. Um, likewise, it, the hero's always in scenes, I think, but if you mm -hmm. were the pillar, but the pillar's not in the scene, then you would represent the status quo, normative expectations, yeah. and how those play out. I, I can and totally... So, oh, go ahead. It's a, it's a really, really really delightful game and um then the third key inspiration is a game that i love but i only get to play in very specific circumstances which you'll understand when i say the name mm -hmm. which is avery alder's uh co-written project called a place to fuck each other uh -huh. which is a game it's, it's a three-player avery alder describes it as character non-monogamous because you rotate and share characters um <laughs> and it is a game about the super socially enmeshed and overlapping messy awkward tender lovely nature of queer women's social circles Mm -hmm. In every scene, you have two people playing characters, and one they're called lovers, and one person plays the third. And the third represents all the factors that are making it hard for these two people to have a simple, comfortable, intimate moment. Huh. So the third could be your friend messy drunk texting you, your dog who needs mm -hmm. to go out, your uh -huh. baby crying in the next room, your the fact that you don't have condoms on you, um, the weather. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. You know, the blister in your foot. All those things are enacted <laughs> by the third. And you play scenes until one of the characters feels the feeling of, I shouldn't be here. And you oh, say that no. phrase, and that is the trigger that ends the scene. Um, so I, I imagine yeah. the third person being someone you can really trust to uh, not just obey boundaries, but like to be gentle, I guess, with you is, is very important for a game like that. It makes it, it's a game you want to really think about how you play with people, but it also mm -hmm. helps again yeah. that you rotate because everyone gets a turn being the third. Yeah, that's um, true. You're right. So you all take turns embodying that kind of role. Yeah. And you also get to set up like at the start of scenes, 
things your character wants or that would help make them comfortable, and then the third gets to look at those and cross at least one out and potentially mark another one as being on shaky territory. Mm-hmm. So you, you co-establish some of the kinds of tensions that will appear. So mm-hmm. I think having played This Party Sucks, I think y'all can see a lot of the tonal yeah. threads. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's very um, clear how, like, the the rotating, like, antagonism, uh, yes. or rather, like... It, how to, how to phrase that better. Tension like, builder, um, like, complicating factor. Yeah, like, like you are... Plot you driver, are, frankly. Yeah, you are creating antagonism for a position you will occupy in the future. It's very yes. interesting. It's very different than it would operate in, like, a long-form GM'd campaign game. Yes. Where you're going to face yeah, antagonisms totally. that come from one person that you as a collaborative group of mm-hmm. relatively the same characters will keep on working with. Yeah. So you leave little gifts for each other, and I think it's a good demonstration. <laughs> it's a good demonstration of the ways that like conflict is tasty. That's part of how you generate plot. Yeah. If all mm. the parties were fun, it would not be very much of a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I I have never been anywhere near a world where all the parties are fun. <laughs> <laughs> and even the parties um, that are doing their best still have messy things. Like a bunch of the best parties I went to when I was an undergrad. Where actually, I love that you put stuff on the upper floor of a duplex at one point, because that's where I went to a lot of my undergrad parties. Yeah. And it was such a shitty du- shittily built duplex that we called it the treehouse, because the upper floor <laughs> felt wobbly occasionally. Um, oh my goodness. When you put enough people there in the party. And I, I also, um, shout out to a friend, an f- undergrad friend who I won't name because mm-hmm. of the context of this, the, um... One of the internal moves to like one of the moves to like note something that you want mm-hmm. to remember later comes specifically from a time that I held a friend's hair back while they projectile vomited and uh-huh. sobbed into a toilet because they had way miscalculated how much they were drinking because they were uh. sleep deprived from studying for finals and they mm. kept in between sobbing they were telling me things to write down in the notes app on my phone to <laughs> send them later because they knew that they were blackout drunk and weren't going to remember this in the morning oh my God. so I just like petted so... their hair and gave them water and like uh. took notes of all the stuff they wanted to say to friends that they were sure they were going to forget while they were in this big messy feelings moment oh uh, you're a week. saint that's how so is compassionate that so, of you. <laughs> how is that so specific and visceral, yet relatable? Like, yeah. I it draws definitely... on the themes of being the mom friend, whether yeah. you want to be or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all I, created... I was taking notes in my phone. You I've been on both sides. freaking, like, yeah, yeah. party logistics. Per- Jocelyn. Poor, long-suffering Jocelyn in Party right? Zoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I have been Jocelyn in some ways. Yeah, me too. I have been. I, I love her. <laughs> yeah. Someone's, I was like. Someone's starting King's Cup and they grabbed a vase. Like, yeah. that was, I wrote that oh, down. Oh. That's so, like, it, it was just so perfect because I've definitely seen that. Like, <laughs> I've, I've been at those parties and I've been on both sides of those parties. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just, I've yeah. I've met all the characters that we made up, which makes... Oh, yeah. Like, That's a lot I, of, I, I think, that. why I like this game, and also why um, both this game and before I wrote this, A Place to Fuck Each Other, was a game that I would often use to intro queer friends of mine who weren't familiar with RPGs into the game space. Mm-hmm. Because a game where you collaboratively do really quick, simple character setup for yeah. messy, queer, young people... Um, mm-hmm 
embroiled in awkward social situations. Everyone's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can make a character for that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Let's just remix a bunch of my exes. Um, <laughs> you know, and the barista I used to have a crush on and who I was five years ago and so on and so forth. It is the, mm. the urge to self-insert your RPGs writ large. Yeah, so. and shout out to my playtesters who are the creation source point of I feel called out, but please continue. We created oh, an extra card on the table next to the X card during an in-person playtest at a convention a few years back. Yeah, what a great Because card. we kept laughing and wincing, and we're uh -huh. like, we, we want to mechanize this a little because we keep doing this. This mm -hmm. feels like an emotive positive that is happening in this game. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we're working out something weird from young adulthood. Not like solving something therapeutically, but like... Yeah engaging with stuff in a way that feels like we're able to laugh at it yeah i, I like that uh including it in the rules calls attention to it um yes. it is like this mm -hmm. is part this is absolutely supposed to be part of the experience y'all like um uh, yeah I, I think that's good can i read off so, a few of the things i put in my notes on of my course, phone while i was listening course. to your playthrough <laughs> yes. you'd be mad if you didn't celery flavored hard cider <laughs> <laughs> you animals so here's the thing. I've never actually had something like that, but I was like, what would like a nice, like, not nice, but like like a, a weird neutral flavor to throw in be? Yeah. And celery doesn't taste like anything to me. I don't know. Oh, so I thought you were saying like, what you, would be a weird hipster trend? Have you that had too. celery juice, Leah? I love celery, but I can't imagine celery flavored anything. Celery juice is like a horrifying health trend that I only know of because of the excellent podcast maintenance phase. <laughs> I love maintenance phase. Maintenance phase is so good. Uh, yeah, stop listening to us. Go listen to maintenance phase. <laughs> so, go, go subscribe to maintenance phase or open a tab in your browser and then come back. Great. Maintenance phase also does a solid balance of banter and getting into really rough topics, though. Maintenance phase is yes. probably gnarlier than my game is i would say because <laughs> it engages with a lot of like institutional violence mm. against fat people um yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah other things in my in my notes list i didn't catch which character got kicked out of a sociology class but the conversation Vanessa, about getting... uh, viv viv yeah. oh viv God, getting kicked yeah. out of sociology class was an amazing little uh -huh. just improv zone in there ben <laughs> folds covers played on the theremin um Awesome. The fact uh, that you all named the ex Julian Schmorbo. <laughs> Spelled with a C somehow. I was trying to figure that out. My guess was like C-H-M-O-R-B-O was the best it's... way I could think of to get Schmorbo to start with a C. I think, that, and I know that the name Schmorbo, like now that I'm looking back on it, is fully ripped from like, I, I believe it's like uh, Smiling Friends. Um, but like, it was definitely on the brain. That's you might as well steal funny references. It I was felt like when, right. <laughs> when, when authors like name characters, if they're if they're going for a certain vibe, they'll make like a Jesus Christ character and name them JC. And oh, I was like, yeah, let's just I name them something JC. But yeah. you had already said Schmorbo, and I was like, how do we say Schmorbo with a C? No worries, <laughs> I figured out how to spell it for you. Uh, Thank you. I was also cracking up because I saw Jesus Christ Superstar for the first time recently. Oh, um, nice. The movie version. Um, so the JC <laughs> name was cracking me up. Uh, the fact that you gave Biscuit a cactus arm tattoo gradually yes. building on the themes. And then the line, Biscuit is here. This is my oven and I will come out flaky and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
And then just the things you had to establish and then roll with, like Biscuit never having played video games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And then got... getting Mario Kart info dumped by the hottest guy at the party. <laughs> and then the fact that like Melinda just felt like she was interrogating Biscuit. Like I can oh, feel yeah. you you all collaboratively played out the anxiety of being mm-hmm. too high somewhere where you don't know people and you're trying to act kinda normal. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. brutal and lovely. Um, so I think I think the way I described it, uh, which being too high, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, For someone with a lot of social anxiety, having sort of made a step to overcome it, being like, okay, people don't actually think the things I'm thinking about me. People don't realize I'm here. People aren't upset that I'm here. This is all fine, actually. But then to have it be turned around and be like, actually, no, this person doesn't think it's fine that I'm here is so upsetting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, it it was fine. It wasn't like a a, we can't play this out situation. Mm -hmm. The the end of the party kind of was where I was like, I don't want to go back in there and play it out because I was just like, oh, this is uncomfy. Um, Plus with John, I don't know where the phone's going to be. I don't know how to get it back. (laughs) I mean, that Um, was just me slamming the make problems button. (laughs) I am the venue and this party will suck. Yeah. If the state was pretty gentle the, easy the first button. party. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah. second party you were like getting in stride with problems. Mm-hmm. That's because I, I think so we each kinda got a turn to DM, I think, yeah. as like the other characters person. Or mm-hmm. well, I guess so I, I kind of DM'd that first one as other characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. John kind of DM'd as the venue a little bit. I mean I, you and Dante were really collaborative on that one too. Um, but, but smashing the problem button, smashing the, <laughs> you threw your phone into a bush. Now it's totally not there anymore. Yep. Uh, which gone. again is a very logical progression. It's not like you're, it's not like you're knocking boulders onto me or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that was, with, um, um, with Melinda, I loved the nuance of like, you're feeling all this anxiety that she's causing you. And like, you're like again like feeling like oh this is a big deal i i'm being made to feel like i shouldn't be here but then like maybe one day biscuit will look back and be like oh like and this will probably make it even worse for them but like (laughs) look look back and be like to me that was a high anxiety moment to her it was tuesday yeah like it was (laughs) like i'm not even like she probably doesn't even remember me like Mm -hmm. You were entertainment in that moment for her. Like, that's the kind of, like... I'm like... Ugh, it's just, like... Again, been there. Been there. Yep. Been there. Just... Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, think... Just getting to listen to y'all was a delight. I'm excited to get to finish the episode Thank out. You. Oh, great. Thank you for picking out such excellent pieces. Um, it was from the fun. episode. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Moss. Uh, so obviously you've run this game. Um, yes. So what are some of the more memorable uh, things that have come up for like for you running this game? Either like things that you've realized, like uh, th- things that like realizations that you have had about you or your friends as you have like worked uh, played this game with people. Yeah, there have been a lot. I will say. Um... This game is pretty good if you are interested in generating sexual tension with people. Uh, That is one way you can play it. Uh, I at one point played it with a friend who I habitually flirt with and a friend who I then dated for a while, and then we broke up horribly. So um, that was interesting, but it was a very good game session. That's very meta of you. 
It was very meta of me. <laughs> Didn't plan it. Do kind of appreciate it. Do laugh about it a little in retrospect. And I'm also like, oh, that does add a lot of sense to why that game session was so goddamn intense. Because one of my friends who was playing it with me was quietly thirsting after me at the time, but wouldn't say anything <laughs> about it yet. Um, and then we dated, and it was about as intense and chaotic as you'd think it might be for someone who was good at making rpg games yeah. also about messy breakups and <laughs> hey, tense chaos. yeah what do you know um, <laughs> yes and x with great qualities and awful qualities as many people have um mm-hmm. and things but excellent excellent gamer um <laughs> no no complaints about like ability to create narrative drama extremely good there and that was a neat one that was a game where i love thinking about the different protagonists because that was a protagonist who was like college age and lived in a college town but wasn't in college and so was frequently Mm. visited with the weird social awkwardness of being assumed to be on a different life path and from a different class background Ah. than they actually were and so and like i think their ex was a college student and so they were on the campus a lot because of their ex and then suddenly the context was gone yeah um so that was a neat dissonance to have um one of my play tests we had a college gymnast whose ex had also been a gymnast and had the same clothing size. And so she suddenly lost half her wardrobe when they broke up. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. And that was just what like a really... wrinkle. Yeah, well, the, the different wrinkles people come up with are yeah. really mm-hmm. cool. Um, and I really enjoy them. And I've also just seen a super big range of events. I've, uh, like, there have been, mm-hmm. like, charity fundraisers. One time it was, like, an older family friend's, like, three-month sober celebration. Um, so a dry party full of way older people. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, one time oh, it was man, uh, so an real. open social event, but that turned out to it was like a polyamory meetup. But it turned out it's mainly just like these four local little clusters uh-huh. who rent out mm. this local hall, so you can come even if you aren't part of them. But they don't usually get new people. So it was oh. similar to what happened to Biscuit. Like, oh god, I'm more visible than I thought I was. Gonna yeah. Be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and things, but just, I've seen a big, a big lovely range. Um, mm-hmm. Like, one time we had a character who was sort of like a young jock, gender feelingsy, mm-hmm. maybe currently still a girl, but might not think of themselves that way in the future, who hung out with mainly a bunch of, like, frat guys, and so mm-hmm. we had, like, a big old frat house party. <laughs> um, I also like the range of coping, because those are just tiny moments, but sometimes yeah. it's people really trying to do things that are, like, kind to the character, and oh, sometimes nice. it's just, you know, gonna fucking shave my head. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, or in one case, we're like, I think, I think this character is gonna go hook up with their ex. I think that is how they're coping. Damn, <laughs> um, yeah. It's not a good coping mechanism, but they just <laughs> are doing it. <laughs> you know? So I like the range. I like the range of things people bring to it. And every time I play it, people will bring something that it wouldn't have occurred to me to do. And the thing I love so much about the character non-monogamy of it is that you kind of have to let go of the concept that you really get to control your character because they're not just yours mm-hmm. and you get to and you have to slash get to offer them up to other people and see yeah. how they interpret and interact with that. And it seems like you all noticed that and even I think referred to that really early on in the setup that like mm-hmm. you're each gonna get your turn inhabiting this space and that you're expecting you'll probably inhabit it a little differently and that that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We talked about yeah, thank uh you like reflectively we're like oh we should have each like picked a a wearable object around us to have biscuit have so then we could each like put on the biscuit hat (laughs) that's such a good Um, energy to add (laughs) and i also love it because i have another game where you do like put on a piece of clothing symbolically Ah. related to the game um 
but that's a, a more of like a solo reflective activity where you mm-hmm. are a selkie who's just recovered your seal skin and is trying to process oh, cool. your traumatic former relationship with like the human who held you captive because they'd stolen the seal skin Whoa. that lets you shapeshift between human and seal because that's a folklore piece that I really love. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so the way you end the game, like you draw cards from a deck that help you generate prompts that you use to reflect mm-hmm. on your like life on land until you feel ready to return to the sea, finally, now that you, your captor is dead and you've reclaimed your seal skin. Mm-hmm. And so to end the game, you put on a soft piece of clothing that you've been holding in your lap, and Aww. you eat something that tastes of salt. Um, yeah. And that's how you end the game. You, like, do a sensory anchor for returning to the sea, and that's, that's how beautiful. you end the game. It's very mm. cool. It made me happy to write. Like, you don't have to. I can't guarantee people are going to go eat a salted caramel when they play the game, but yeah. <laughs> it's suggested that they do. It's yeah. actually part of the rules. You have to or you It lose. is in the rules. <laughs> I got a super soft sweater that I use for self-soothing. Like, that's that's perfect. I've never heard yeah. of, uh, like, self-soothing techniques being integrated into RPG gameplay before. And I think that's brilliant. Um, I do not try to write games that are therapy because I think that is a worrying road to go down and I'm not yep. qualified. But I definitely write games informed by my experiences in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have had people straight up tell me that things I put in my games are similar to things their therapist has told them to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's fine. Like, I mean, yeah. like, what creator doesn't want their game to be a catharsis for someone? Yeah. Like, that's... That's certainly that's, a goal for me. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's... I think that's an awesome thing. Like, you know, not, like... Again, not a replacement for therapy no. or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, definitely, like, making others feel good is yeah. kind of the... <laughs> I do you know, like that. ...end sure. goal. Interacting <laughs> socially in a positive way. Like, yeah. 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 I think it's very And that's natural. a lot of where, yeah, Roller Rink Redux comes from, too. Yeah. My other Ooh, game yeah. that's in the bundle. Um, um, I literally... I wrote that game via... I just wrote a Twitter thread mm-hmm. while I was at an experimental art event at a roller rink with some grad school friends, and that's I wrote cool. it to try to keep from having a panic attack at the experimental art event at the roller rink. Because if you the, haven't, um, the photo if you haven't been... Hmm? The photo in the game, is that from that event, or is that something else? Uh, uh, from the roller rink redux? Yeah. For that, mm-hmm. for roller rink redux, I forget if I used a stock photo or not. I think that one might have been a photo from the event. This Party Sucks is a photo that I took from a party that sucked. Oh! Uh, <laughs> though it's not uh, being a queer 20-something. The, the, that photo is from being a queer teenager. Mm. Uh, that was um, the This Party Sucks photo I'll tell you about while I look for the Roller Rink Redux one to check it. Um, the cover image for This Party Sucks is a sort of filter, black and white filtered image from a party I went to. I, I grew up in Northern California, and so our local like LGBTQ youth end-of-year dance event was called Hella Gay Prom um, <laughs> when I attended it. And uh, it happened after regular prom, and my high school boyfriend and I went to regular prom together and then broke up, and then I went to Hell Gay Prom with some friends, and so did he, and I was very angry that he was there, and uh, sulked around avoiding him all night while also still being very attracted to him because we'd, like, just broken up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I spent that party feeling very messy and angry and weird, and so that is where I got the This Party Sucks cover image photo oh yeah, yeah. and, I'm and gonna I, check I do roller like the rink photo redux. I... yep yeah roller rink redux that is a photo from the experimental art event because if nice. you like kind of zoom cool. zoom in on it it's uh what they had was a roller rink that had a stage set up in the middle of it and there were various performers and also in between the performers they also had some karaoke set time available 
but one of the performers was an experimental noise musician. Hmm. And mm -hmm. if, like me, you haven't rollerbladed since, like, other kids' birthday parties in middle school, and you weren't great at it then either, and you're mm -hmm. trying to relearn in your 20s, <laughs> and you're very off balance, and then experimental noise music starts playing... Uh, it uh -huh. felt like the rink itself was having a panic attack, and I had to go sit down. Um, <laughs> and um. so I wrote a Twitter thread about going back to spaces that scared you when you were, like, a young, closeted, queer, or trans person. Mm -hmm. And the success that is just managing to exist there. Damn. Um, and that uh, anchored my... me out at that moment, and then I formatted it into a one-page game. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I... I kind of got to play this game retrospectively. Um, it's because, good for that. <laughs> yeah. Like in a, and I think it was in January. Um, so I, I had bought some roller skates because uh, I like the idea of one day being able to like play a roller derby. I think that would be oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, well, I don't really remember how to skate. And so let's go to the roller rink. And, you know, we live in Chicago, so there's not a roller rink anywhere in the city. You have to like mm. leave the city to find oh, one. Dang. So we, we were like, okay, we'll go on a weekend and we'll spend like a couple hours there. Uh, so we went on a Saturday, which was a mistake because oh, no. that's when all the kids are there. Um, but yeah, like it was actually like really kind of like freeing to be like, you know, I'm an adult. I brought my own skates. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to have fun. Um, and it was like, you know, physically painful skating, but it felt really cool. Uh, and then the only like real fear I ended up with is like I don't want to run over any of these kids. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like oh people are gonna see me and think I'm a freak. It was oh god I please don't let me like crash and burn on some of these toddlers. Accidentally <laughs> wipe out a child. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time on the wall. Yep. And uh, but yeah, um, it was. Uh, wild being able to do something like that without like the crippling anxiety of of uh like chronic self-perception i guess or, yeah. or being perceived in a space um yeah it was really nice and it was me and my wife which i think helps is to, to have a partner help. there i yeah, I, I would still not have find gone it, um i i still find like i still find it like you know uh, deeply anxious to go to a especially like a meetup for an activity something like mm. that like everyone's going to the space to you know like roll uh to do like roller skating together or uh, an event that really sticks in my mind was like there was like an austin kind of like bike meetup where like mm. people would buy uh, people would like meet up and like bike through the city and then it would end at a bar and like everyone would get drinks and stuff but i remember going there and just knowing nobody and like i that just cranked even as like an adult that just cranked all of my dials like way up on like self-perception and like what do i do here is it okay that i'm here who do i who can i even talk to and like it, i don't know it, it makes me feel feel like a scared kid again to do that but it's cool seeing like the game that you have written with um roller rink redux um, which, uh, for the listeners, is a fairly simple game. Um, there's there's few rules. Mostly, uh, I believe it is just, like, going back to a place that, like, scared you to be at as a kid, and then there are, like, different actions that you can take as you, the person, um, like, meet talking to a stranger. Um, and uh, w what are a couple of other examples? I I'm sorry I don't have it up right now. Yeah, let me see. I can pull it up. Yeah. I got my files. But um, it's it's fun to like have those 
things codified and gamified as like mm-hmm. options because now it's not like i'm not overwhelmed by all of the decisions that i could make now it's like an rpg action tree where yeah I'm like, it's like six things so you could yeah. literally roll a d6 if you wanted to yeah. wear something you were scared to wear uh-huh. as a kid oh yeah try an activity you were scared of failing at then and let yourself feel however you feel about it positively mm-hmm. or negatively talk to a friend talk to a stranger ask for help with something offer help to someone else yeah and like what a super helpful way to uh like to to gamify interacting with a scary space um, yeah i, I really i'm like proud that. of the concluding line too which i think is one of the things that people have told me makes my games think of makes them think of things their therapists have said when they uh-huh. read my games which is you don't have to feel any particular way to win this game you have already won by revisiting a place that once scared you as your older queerer self and bringing both boldness and kindness with you yeah yeah I like that. That's the vibe I seek in a lot of what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I think part of like what John and I talked about when we were talking about starting this, like starting it as a podcast, but also like exploring queerness in tabletop games and role playing, um, was just how like even in games where it's not necessarily intended. Like again, John and I started out playing D and D and stuff. Yeah. But just how much like queer catharsis you get out of something like that. Like I think my first character was like a a, a drow rogue or something like what like nice. you know. Um, but like every character after that was like some flavor of like me doing gender exploration, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, and all that's kind of very obvious to me in retrospect. Um, but uh, you know, do you have any like thoughts on what about role playing games makes it such a fertile ground for? Like, queer catharsis and queer exploration. And there's a lot of reasons, I think. Some are very direct. I mean, I, in retrospect, realize I test drove my chosen name <laughs> via an RPG character. Nice. Um, so that's very cool. I Literally, it was a game I was playing over Discord, and so I changed my name uh-huh. in that Discord server, and then I just didn't change it back. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't feel like changing it back for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> weird, what? You yeah, later some of my friends were like, yeah, we were kind of wondering about that, and that was what we figured it was. I was like, yeah, it turns out that's what it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, Moss was, uh, the fancy last name that I don't have, Moss Echeveria, was the uh, character I played in a game of Firebrand's Mobile Frame Zero which is another game doesn't have to be three player but plays very well as three player that is about being um talented horny dramatic mech pilots on different sides of a military slash economic conflict very um, fighting and falling in love with each other highly recommend firebrands or the king is dead which is the sort of more medieval flavored Mm -hmm. similar version where instead of being mech pilots you're from like warring noble houses with long-standing tensions there, there is a video uh, game oh no, sorry, sorry, not a video game it's a <laughs> tabletop game on our list of games that we're going to check mm-hmm. out that is explicitly like uh you and your like mech rival have just discovered mm-hmm. that you are also like the secret lovers that um you have yeah. been seeing off you've been seeing away from the politics in which you are embroiled I forget, is that breakup upon re-entry that's it I love yep. the name of that game. I've never played it, but it's memorable because of the premise in the name. It's oh, so yeah. Funny. That's why it's on the list. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, and I did. There's but, a yeah. visual mm-hmm. novel I think I played like two years ago called Heaven Will Be Mine that's also a queer yes. mech story. So forget RPGs. What's so queer about mechs? Let's talk <laughs> about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the sad the sad mech <laughs> game jam really had a lot of people engaging with that, and I think a lot of it. I mean, I think it's honestly it's similar to some of the things that are very queer and very trans, especially about RPGs, which is if you could remake yourself, how would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have an escapist fantasy, what does that look like? Um, and things because a lot of people have talked about this in much more thoughtfully analytical ways than mm-hmm. I'm going to right now in a shorthand. But one shorthand is if you are generally speaking not marginalized your escapist fantasies mm-hmm. can be kind of pure fluff or fun or not related to con- senses of consequence. You can play out stories that are very similar to narratives you've already seen existing a lot because those are already fun, comfortable narratives for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not as commonly represented or don't feel like you have space to be who you are, then formats that let you reinvent or play a character even if they give you only a fraction more breathing room, if it's more breathing room than you usually have, uh-huh. that's extremely powerful. Sometimes even if it is only a little bit of breathing room, that's especially powerful because it means you don't have to feel exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, oh, I'm not playing a character. Like, D&D isn't like, now I'm playing a gay character in the way that like my game is like, you're playing, <laughs> you're playing a queer person. <laughs> like, my game is like, you're doing this. <laughs> the character doesn't know it in narrative, meta-narratively, you know that they are moving towards that kind of self-realization. Just, and I've played characters test. like that. We've played If you eggs. don't think you're trans, um, you have to play this game just to make sure. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, I, Yeah. Sorry, Ollie. I was reading the rules to Thirsty Sword Lesbians recently, and there's a part at the yes. end that says, "If you want to play a cishet character, you can, but they will probably end up being queer." <laughs> yeah, there's um, uh, Sasha Renault's "The Girlfriend of My Girlfriend Is My Friend" is a nice game for that kind of vibe too. Like, you don't have to make the characters queer, but they might end up being. Um, that kind of exploration happens. A place to fuck each other talks about that too. It's like you're playing queer women. Their sense of that might change. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and things. Yeah. Another thing I love in that one is that um, the author she explicitly says, if you are a straight cis person and you play this game, I don't want you to message me and tell me about your gameplay experience. <sighs> Please don't do that. Actually, you can play the game. I don't actually want feedback from you. <laughs> it's not comfortable or interesting for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, serious respect for that. Yeah. I'm assuming it's based on some experience. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But I feel like, again, we're looping through all kinds of topics. Mechs are such a strong invention of, like, a self-reinvention power fantasy. Mm-hmm. And how different mm-hmm. people will do that will vary a lot by the person. Um, and also, I, there's a lot of mech-related media that I've never watched, but uh, a lot of people have told me that Shinji is an egg. Um, oh, yeah. And <laughs> things. Lots of symbolism. Oh, about. yeah. Yeah, so th- I think there's already some resonance people have had with mech narratives, but are also like, this could be queerer, though. <laughs> we could do more. <laughs> we could go yeah. farther. And I'm forgetting, I think it might be one of Takamo Okada's games. Um, there we yeah. go. There we go. That, this yeah. is, I, I said to one of my friends before I even came out. <laughs> yep, uh, Shinji Mew has been held up to the camera. There's, I'm going to see if I can find this. I think there's at least one game that was in the sad mech game jam that is explicitly about like being a trans mech pilot mm-hmm. and like making your mech reflect your body in a way that feels good and powerful and important to you. That sounds really um, cool. And I think, I think it's called We Made Them Look Like Us. Um, also, like my game that I wrote for the sad mech game jam, I don't... It's not like the most playable of the games I've written, honestly. I think there are some things that are not the most clear. 
but I do really like like the sort of descriptive concepts I thought of for the mechs because they reflected a lot of the I don't have a lot of mech media background. I was getting my background from other queer and trans people doing this mech jam and getting really <laughs> feelingsy and gendery about it. So yeah. my mech types were like you could have a mech that's modeled after a real or fantasy animal. You can have like a starkly utilitarian mech that's made to look and function just like hundreds of others. You can have a patchwork rebel mech that's been, you know, made of pirated parts from a bunch mm -hmm. of sources. You can have a mech that's part of a whole that's like a limb or a subsection of a mech combine. <laughs> um, uh, you can have like a mirror your mech was built for and looks very much like you. Um, or amorphous, a mech that doesn't move or operate like a human body or like any body. It oozes, flows, dissipates, reforms, breaks into semi-independent models, or otherwise acts in a way far divergent from your own body. Um, Heaven Will Be Mine cool. definitely was a conceptual source point for that, because <laughs> their mech descriptions are so wild and weird and poetic. Um, yeah, and the things, idea of that, like, but, rebel yeah. mech definitely speaks a lot to me. Like, yeah. sort of gathering different pieces and sticking them together, like... I've recently been on this kick for me about like reclaiming my idea of my own body, I guess. And mm -hmm. so that, that, that sort of resonates with mm -hmm. me for that. Um, and like what I was thinking about, like uh, biscuits, cactus tattoo, my own yeah. headcanon for that is biscuit was finally like, you know, uh, I'm taking a stand about who I am. And part of that is I'm going to, I'm going to get cactus on here. So <laughs> yeah. again, we have a friend named cactus. So. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't yeah, have any moss cool. tattooed on me yet, but not yet, yet. I like yet. like the optimism. Yet is important. Yeah, um, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't like also like. I've never been too much into like mech stuff, but mm -hmm. I think I have been into like the cousin genre of mech, which I think is magical girls. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Absolutely. So I have definitely been on on that boat for a while. So. That's how I'm choosing to engage with this. It like, has a lot of okay. connected themes of, like, self-actualization. Yes. Or if you were the, like, idealized or more powerful you, what would that mean? And I think mm -hmm. very good and engaging both, like, mech and magical girl stories don't just do simple power fantasy. They're also like, how does it feel? What does it do yeah. in your relationships? Mm -hmm. How does it format your life? How does mm -hmm. your sense of self build or change for better and for worse once this kind of power is a part of you and is accessible to you? Exactly. What are the fun parts and what are the costs, and how do you play with that? And I, I think I mentioned it last episode, but that also very explicitly like plays out in the book Dreadnought, which I haven't finished, so I can't give like a recommend or don't you know whatever. Um, but it, it is explicitly like, at the, and this isn't a spoiler. This happens at the very beginning, and it's kind of the whole series. But like, mm -hmm. if you received a superpower that let you become whoever you wanted to be, and that it made you trans, you know. It's a very, very similar vein, I guess, to the magical girl and the mm -hmm. mech. It's remaking yeah. yourself yeah. when given the opportunity. Yeah, and I've definitely played... I'm also thinking... I haven't played a lot of masks as a game system, but I have played a little mm. bit. And that's another one where, like, you're young, playing young superheroes going mm. through complicated stuff. Mm. And yeah, that's a game, that. again... The game does not have to be played in a really queer way, but you certainly can, and it always has been when I have. <laughs> um, I don't know about superheroes the... as allegory for the queer experience. I'm not sure that works really well. <laughs> 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 I think That's um... heavy slash sarcasm there, friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt, I think... it, I felt it radiating off from you in waves. Yeah. <laughs> Also, shout out to, I don't remember if it's released yet or not, but the game Super Zeros, I got to help playtest, mm -hmm. is good for playing, like, 
messy, kind of fucked up, slightly older superheroes oh, who have been, that... like, shaped by the trauma and experience of their work. And yes. when I playtested that, we were, we were messy, messy people. I was dating the, like techno demon that was possessing one of my other former teammates like my former teammate and uh -huh. i kind of hated each other but i kept coming around when she was asleep and a demon mech like a, de a demon like nanotech uh -huh. uh consciousness was piloting her body instead if that a does sound demon asks you want to date you say yes <laughs> it was it was a gnarly gnarly story but in like very good ways that we were opting into together cool very cool yeah. Uh, so I had a qu another question for you, Moss. Yes. Um, so during our gameplay of This Party Sucks, I found myself at sometimes like kind of feeling like I was grasping for things to do or like ways mm -hmm. to keep the narrative rolling. Like it never, yes. uh, like, there were certainly times when it felt like things gained momentum, but a lot of the time it felt like pushing like uh, it felt like pushing the ball on like a flat plane where like yeah it it's really hard for this to gain steam and there was a lot of time when it felt like I, we would introduce a topic we would each riff on it for a little bit and then like there's dead space where it's like crap mm -hmm. what's the next thing that's gonna happen um so uh have you found uh, have you found like um a a very like a rhythm with the game for like how you run this party sucks where that keeps like um the narrative moving um and the the action and the choices of your main character kind of like continuing to happen like how, what have you, what do you do to give the uh, this game momentum I would say, in part, I don't always do a lot, and sometimes mm -hmm. it does stall out, and I think that's a combo of there are ways in which I'm like, oh, could I have formatted it better? But there's also ways in which that is part of the tone that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Because your main character is not having a very good time. Yeah. And sometimes they're going to look around the party and go, shit, what should I even do? Should I even be here? Oh, yeah. Awkward um, pauses are definitely, like, built into the dialogue of this. Yes. It's the stopping exactly. and pulling out your phone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and so it's one of those it's one of those things where it's like I have thought about that a lot and it's a thing I've occasionally honestly struggled with. I'm like, is there a way that I could or would rewrite that or mm -hmm. would want to amp that up more? And so I've thought about it, but I haven't landed on a specific way that I'd want to do that because I don't want it to have overly much momentum, honestly. Yeah. Because you're playing a person, even if the character themselves does not have like social anxiety as a general life trait, they are in an anxious, drained Yes. time period for themselves and often people end up writing characters that also probably have an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. that you don't have to but frankly the, <laughs> the only game mechanics is that you have limited social energy to spend so people often write characters like that oh yeah and that's just like... based on the mental health experience of being a queer and or trans 20 something as uh -huh. i and my entire friend group experience it so mm -hmm. i feel fine about that i would say the general thing that i do is um Try to remember that, like, you can keep scenes tight. They don't mm -hmm. have to drag. Um, this character can panic and bail or mm. get pulled away um, or have things messy. And if you're not sure how the pacing is, look at how many external to external move tokens you have left. Yep. And if you've spent them all or if you have f a final one, this character is flagging and they are going to have to leave soon. Yeah. Or yeah. things will stall out even harder. And so you can play a long, painful stall out if you mm. want to, and that's narratively pleasant. But if you don't, you are being given the signal that you you can wrap it up and that's fine. Yeah, that, that's a great I feel like... point. I, I do remember looking at my external tokens um, as yes. like a, a, 
as a cue for that. It's meant to be a loose clue, like, cue slash timekeeping method. The other thing is, again, it depends on how you use the palette, but the palette can also be a thing that you use to draw from if you're not sure where to go. If you had a group that put a lot of things on the yes, or even a few things on the yes, and you're like, oh, this hasn't come up yet. Like, mm-hmm. um, like we wanted them to meet crushes of theirs, and we haven't dropped anyone who has seen who they have a crush on, you know? Or it's like, we wanted to go to a cafe. Like, they're going to ditch here. They're going to, like, panic, ditch the party, and go get caffeinated to take the edge off the alcohol, and that's where we'll fade mm. out. Like, you can, depending on how you've done your setup and the vibes people put there, a way that I often like using palettes and often um, intro the palette when I'm describing it to people is as a toolkit you can refer back to if you're not sure where to take things. It's things mm-hmm. that someone else in the group has said, I'd enjoy having this in the story. And you're like, uh, what do I put in the story? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me look at this index card. Yes. Um, so those are some of the key things that I have done uh, some of the time. I think also just like cheering other players on, being like, yeah. oh God, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> while you grin at them. Um, you know, the the background meta commentary, I definitely enjoy too. Or some just like wildly tapping, I feel called out, but please continue. <laughs> um, like the time that I, we that came up via playtest, we were just slamming that table. Like we were playing Hungry Hungry Hippos or something. Um, <laughs> I, I remember a couple of times, Dante, when, when you were giving that meta commentary, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also a thing where I tend to play a lot of games with people who play really long and mm-hmm. elaborate scenes. And in a way, writing this, I was trying to remind myself that you don't have to. You can, but you can play pretty tight scenes yeah. in this if you yeah. want to. An unpleasant party does not have to take a long, 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 long time. So if all the pauses are getting longer, you can be like, yeah, maybe this is the signal that like our main character is feeling cut off and left out and weird, and they're going to start mm-hmm. getting mopey <laughs> and think about their ex. Like, mm-hmm. this is the fade out. I, I think yeah. that that's... Yeah, I think that that's a, a great point, and like, I, and to kind of circle back around, uh, like, I think that that is a really, I think that keep uh, a really good thing to keep in mind is the um, that like, yeah, those awkward pauses in improvisation, like, uh, very strongly parallel those awkward pauses in the parties, and I think that like, yes. if I had shared that energy back and forth more, it would have mm-hmm. felt like fuel for the um like for the role playing um of biscuit as opposed to me like uh panicking to create like uh the best mm. scene possible um, yeah and that's a tricky thing cuz like the best scene possible can be very uncomfortable for yes, one or more of the characters exactly. and it also i think reflects potentially like both what kind of improv background people have mm-hmm. in how they game i think for me it was in part helpfully informed by the fact that I have a graduate degree in education and they made us actively and aggressively practice having to wait and to have patience and to create space because Mm -hmm. literally like from an equity and a logistics perspective, if you always call on the person who wants to answer a thing first, you will wildly imbalance who gets to share. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard thing Mm -hmm. for me because I was that hand always raised kid. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote the game, I had relatively recently, like, been through training that was about learning to be more comfortable with silence. Very good. And to recognize the import of silence because not everyone processes things the same way or in the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, but it's also true, like, silences can make people panic or feel awkward and, like, they have to fill feel space. And that's a very mm-hmm. real dynamic, too. Which, again, I think, frankly, reflects a lot of ways people experience parties. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But a thing that I didn't think of super consciously when I was writing the game, but that I've reflected on since then, too, is that I wonder 
in what ways people maybe are or aren't affected by their past conditioning by other RPGs. Because in a lot of other games, especially like D&D and mm -hmm. similar things, an encounter ends because you you bested the encounter. Yeah. Like you unlocked a thing or you obtained the item or you took down all the enemies. Yeah. Or something. The signaling is sometimes a good deal clearer. Um, mm -hmm. And you have a specific person to look to sometimes. Mm. For whether the scene is wrapping, yeah, uh, or if you're going to move to a new location, or if the day is ending. Right. Well, I did want to say, this, like, initially, like, um, I, I was going to say, I don't think like uh, having sort of odd pauses or waiting to see who's going to take control of moving the narrative forward or, or something like that is definitely not unique to this game. Like, uh, John no. and I have had <laughs> long discussions about like how do you DM in such a way that keeps your players moving forward, mm -hmm. and we've you know. I, I wouldn't say we have different ideas about it, you know, or or not like starkly different ideas. Like one of my strategies is I'll try and like uh, IGM like an old adventure game where I'm like, oh yeah, there's this over here and there's this over. Here. Like I try and to highlight things yes. for people uh, to, um, exactly. to grab. But uh, you know, we both of us definitely enjoy playing out our nice dramatic scenes. Uh, between between characters and things. Yeah, but... and I emotionally punish my players for going too slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works pretty well for this kind of game, too, frankly. Hey, it wouldn't yeah. work for all game systems, but it does work in this. I get to play the venue and actually do that. Uh, look, exactly. it, it yeah, if you out. hang out awkwardly Thanks. for too long, Thanks, someone's going to come Moss. throw up on your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another game, there's... Um, Avery Alder was, like, a big influence on me getting into RPGs in the first place, so also, like admiration for a trans another trans game designer is part of what got me into games and that definitely flavors a lot of what i do and mm -hmm. what i think of as existing in the game sphere but um monster hearts is oh, another yeah. game system which i love and also have often had trouble keeping the plot and pacing going mm -hmm. and i think that's a combo with the fact that sometimes you're not quite sure where the character motivations are or they yeah. have really conflicting motivations and it's hard to aim people and also it's one where um when I GM that one, I should probably make more hard moves than I do mm -hmm. and, like, mm -hmm. make things worse for the players than I do. But I have trouble doing it there sometimes. But I don't have that trouble with This Party Sucks for some reason. <laughs> I'm pretty happy to make things really uncomfortable for people in This Party Sucks. And maybe it's because that's so obviously structured as the focus. Yeah, the objective. Um, rather than just an element in Monster Hearts, mm -hmm. where you also do kind of want the characters to succeed sometimes. Yeah. Not that characters don't succeed in This Party Sucks, there is a sort of inherent hopefulness built in. Oh, yeah. But they have to go through some stuff. Yeah, it's I supposed mean, to be spo a bit of a Spoiler slide, alert, yeah. I think Act 3 ends yeah. on a high note for Biscuit. Mm -hmm. uh, Act 3s oh, yeah. often do, in my experience. Yeah. And we, we had oh, kind of really called nice attention to, hear, to that even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the Biscuits of the world end up okay. And yeah, and, and if they don't end up okay at the end of Act 3, it's still built into the epilogue yeah. that they will eventually be more okay. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. because, and that's both, be both because I like that energy in some of Mal Blum's songs, and also, just catharsis-wise, I didn't want to leave players in a weird feelings hole. Yes. When they finished the game. Because also, um, I know I've already been swearing in the show and, like, there's drinking and various things in the original episode. Mm -hmm. um, is it okay if I talk about kink parallels for a minute? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm strongly of the opinion that I think that, like, have any of you ever had, after GMing a game, like, a big energy drop afterwards? Or you start yes. to really worry that, like, the game has gone wrong? Oh, yeah, hugely. Um, or maybe it wasn't as good as you thought. I'm pretty firmly of the opinion that I think that comes from a very similar cognitive place to top drop. Um, <laughs> um, or, like, dom drop after you've, like, mm. run an intense scene with someone where you are 
like to some degree like taking using a lot of energy putting a lot of focus yeah. into like uh, doing do you want something to explain what intimate uh, with other people or dom drop is for the audience yes um yeah, yes definitely if just you for are the doing audience, something sexual and or is. intimate with someone else in a sex and or kink context because mm -hmm. those things can but don't always go together especially if you are taking on a leading role to some degree though there's always going to still be a lot of collaborative energy it takes a lot of energy and focus to do it, and afterwards, sometimes you get an energy crash, mm -hmm. where both you may feel physically tired and you may also be emotionally second-guessing what went on, which I think is a combo of just, you've done an intense, complex, emotionally vulnerable thing, uh -huh. and that drains people, and also, in the context of kink and or sex, lots of people have shame layers and cultural layers that make it very easy for anxieties to latch onto something Yes. Mm -hmm. um, after you wrap up. And I have seen in other people and felt for myself similar things after playing RPGs because I think there it's a very intensely socially yeah. thing. It's like, hey, let's get together for maybe two to five hours, uh -huh. potentially, depending on what kind of mm -hmm. game players we are, mm -hmm. and live in a collaborative world together that we're all trying to run to, to some degree to have a good time together. Mm -hmm. And then we have to step out of it again. And it's kind of like, you know, getting out of the pool or the shower and like it's cold now like i am off balance i'm in a different space yeah and if you're not scaffolded well for it it can really rattle people sometimes and yeah. i think especially i notice it because frankly a lot of the games i like playing do some similar emotional things to what i think some people get out of kink where mm -hmm. you're having an emotionally intimate complicated experience where you get to have fun feelings that maybe aren't always good but you do like having had them yeah like this is a game about playing out a bad breakup aftermath but yeah, people yeah. have paid me money for this game <laughs> i have mailed copies of this game to people people have bought it from me <laughs> to tables. experience a bad breakup right yeah people have paid me to experience a bad breakup like people ride roller coasters people watch horror movies like we get engaging forms of catharsis People yeah. have sent money to the trans youth of Texas for this game. Mm -hmm. People have. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you at know? the end of the day, it's uh, both both the kink and the role-playing. It's entertaining and yes. acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it is a lot of energy. Yes. Like, there are forms of theater, and that will take a lot out of you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You are being in a role. Yeah. Even if the role relates a lot to you, maybe especially if the role relates a lot to you, mm -hmm. that will give you some emotional feedback after, where you're like, how does this relate yeah. to me? How doesn't it relate to me? How do I feel about it? Did I do a good job of being that me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is a, yeah. a extremely fun, and I think it, it makes so much sense. Like, I, yeah, I, I put aftercare in the game. That's what I did. I put aftercare <laughs> in the game. I was thinking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I did. No, that is yeah. Yeah, <laughs> death yeah, of the yeah, author. Yeah. You could still say I put aftercare in it, even if I hadn't meant it, but I did mean <laughs> to put it in there. Can't believe Moss died on our watch. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we're going to explain this one. <laughs> we're going to say fall. our podcast is cursed <laughs> and ride, those, uh, ride that view mm -hmm. spike from it. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, so that is that was absolutely intentional on my part, and I'm delighted that other people pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's that's very cool that you that you intentionally included that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, if you're gonna ask people to potentially relive their twenties, mm -hmm. maybe with strangers. Yeah, maybe. I wanted to think about how that would feel. Yeah, <laughs> at all yeah. stages of the yeah. process, from setup to wind down. Because <laughs> I have played this with strangers. Oh, that A must my that must have been very interesting. So cool, so weird, so yeah. good. My first playtesters were like 
a very sweet, eager fellow queer woman mm-hmm. and a very, very shy, quiet, hetero guy who was younger than us, mm-hmm. who I think about mm-hmm. occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, we told a really nice story together about, like, an awkward, just starting to figure out she was a lesbian girl with, like, very, like, 80s aesthetics mm-hmm. who was, like, really involved in her church and was just, like, yeah. figuring a lot of shit out. Um, you know, there have been, and yes, yeah, some other playthroughs with strangers like, I'd never met the people who helped me develop I Feel Called Out, but please continue as a mechanic before I met them at a convention. Ah. Um, and things. A lot of my playthroughs have been with strangers. My Oh, the, the like, sort of jock uh, character who had frat bro, bro friends was a playthrough with strangers, too. Very cool. Um, that was a fun one, too. We built out the protagonist's family more than I have in any other playthrough Interesting. in that game. That's, had, like, that's so fun to hear because my mind is just spinning off about like what this is telling, how telling this is of the people that you play with. Because, I mean, I, the I, kinds of games that I get, there's been, there's similarities for sure, but I get really different flavors and contexts yeah. every time. And it does tell you to like focus on playing someone in their 20s because that was the very specific mm-hmm. context of Mal Blum's album. But I think you mm-hmm. totally could play this younger or older too. Yeah. You would just calibrate it a little differently, mm-hmm. but people yeah. can be having these messy experiences at all kinds of times. <laughs> that that is the damn truth. Um. Oh yeah, I honestly <laughs> kind of love like I don't even know how qualified I would be to play it, but I mean, but also games you play different formats. I'd kind of love to have someone do some playthroughs where it's like a much later in life mm-hmm. self realization, or maybe it's like someone in their forties, fifties, sixties who just went through a divorce that may or may not have related to the gender or sexuality stuff mm-hmm. yeah, and is going to parties. I think that would be a very different tone of game on some fronts, but I think it would still work. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the fact that you're seeing such a variety speaks to like the, the strength of the scaffold that you've created here. And I think it invites people to bring in stuff that occurs to them from their own lives and experiences oh, yeah. of people around them. And I think that helps people just like lean into it and yeah. figure out. And I think the game is very successful at, uh, at um, hosting that. It makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you found it to be so. Absolutely. Um, so, Leah, I I know that I'm going to have to uh, hop off soon, um, but uh, did you have more that you wanted to um, uh, include in this interview? Uh, no, I'm, I'm super happy with uh, <laughs> the conversation that we got to have about queerness and and role-playing games and and kink that was really cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah i i think this is a great place to wrap up awesome uh dante Um, uh did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on uh nothing just a quick question actually are we going to be playing roller rink redux at some point i think it's a larp that you play in person um by visiting a space so yeah you can kind of reflect on playthroughs. I mean, it might be a little trickier to podcast about. I'd love to hear someone try, though. <laughs> I, I like. Just... I know. I know what it's meant to be, but I, I definitely <laughs> am not discounting like all of us role playing that. Like that is right. That's like because I'm like Discord also do call it. of us falling over and. I mean, not that it has to be a roller rink. I keep yeah. going there. It doesn't have to be a roller rink. The roller rink <laughs> yeah. is just in the name because that's where I wrote it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. You do not have to go to a roller rink. What if you could one go of the parties shopping. is a party at a roller rink? <laughs> I haven't had anyone put things in a roller rink. I did have someone set a party at a BDSM play party. That has nice. happened. Um, and things haven't had one at a roller rink. Um, I think I think a place that probably a lot of people have played roller rink Redux, whether they realize it or not, is in clothing stores. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, that's interesting. Oh yeah, 
I mean, just I know in terms we touched of places on, like, you go that sucked when you were a kid yeah. that you go back to. Um, we touched on maintenance phase earlier. It's kind of been like the opposite for me. Is like as a as a ex guy who was the size that I am, I could go into any store and buy clothes that fit me. But now trying to go into stores that uh, to find more feminine clothes, being the size I am, is like you got to assemble impossible. the arcane runes out of blood. Yep. And, yep. Oh, yeah. If I had a nickel. <laughs> so there, there's another there's another plug for maintenance face it's a good podcast but, yeah <laughs> um okay but yeah uh thanks again so much for mm-hmm. coming on and being so thanks open with us me. about your game and your process and all that oh, um, i'm a chatty bastard it. you can hit me up anytime. <laughs> uh, i've loved this, this was amazing this has been very fun mm-hmm. yeah it's been the same for me too wonderful yeah and and thank you ollie for being here as well yeah yeah like it was your commentary yeah, it was definitely cool. I, uh, like, I've been a fan of like a lot of Moss's content, and uh, I really liked hearing the first episode of your podcast. Um, this party sucks. Is like, it's just this very unique experience of a game that I haven't really seen in other TTRPGs I've looked mm-hmm. at, of like exploring this very specific like emotion and part of life that um, I don't know. It's like having a space where it feels okay to talk about how that feels yeah. is so important. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. And yeah, I I love writing absurdly specific games, and I really love when other people write absurdly specific games. Mm-hmm. Like I love a generalizable game too. I love a setting neutral game or just a classic, you know, but fantasy also or sci fi romp. But see also selkie coat game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want more games like that in the world. I want just a wildly specific experience games. Oh, yes. Like those, yeah. those absolutely float my boat too. Uh, how do things wrap up? Do you all sign offs? Do we plug socials? Uh, yeah. So I, I was gonna. So uh, Dante and John and I all plugged ourselves uh, mm-hmm. last time. Um, if you're looking for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, pull it up. Pull it up. Uh, at Okay, on Twitter, we're at GTRTPCast, um, which, again, is a Gaming for Trans Rights uh, tabletop podcast. Um, and uh, you can also email us at uh, GTRTPCast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're listening and you made one of the other games in the bundle, uh, we'd love to talk to you and, and, and play your game. Um, Moss, where can people find you? Yes, so um, on most places, social media-wise, I am beating the binary, all one word, no capitals. Um, that's who I am on TikTok, where I have a weirdly large following, not for RPGs, but for talking about how aggressively <laughs> cisgender and heterosexual um, sort of middle American home decor can be. <laughs> uh, so that's a whole other thing that I sometimes talk about on <laughs> different podcasts. Um so I am beating the binary most places online, uh, except for Twitter, where I still have my super old high school handle, Adonarama, which is A-D-A-N-A-R-A-M-A. Um, there's also a not wildly active, but still exists uh, podcast for, uh, podcast, uh, Twitter for the podcast that I run with my uh, partner of 10 years, Angela, and our Twitter handle for that. The Queerly Yours podcast is the name, can be found at, I'm double checking to make sure I don't mess it up, Queerly Yours Pod at Twitter. 
And um, that is currently on hiatus because it is hard to record a podcast while working full time during a pandemic, I have found. Um, when you <laughs> and are we are just starting to find out. It. I am wishing you all the best, and I'm glad there's several of you. Thanks. Um, but it's a great it's a great episode archive. Um, Queerly Yours is a podcast where Angela and I talk about being uh, queer, trans, polyamorous people, and talk about like relationship advice and health and life experience from out of that context. But we try to talk about it in a way where it's still engaging and interesting, even if that's not your precise experience. Um, we have a lot of episodes that I'm very proud of, including uh, sort of trans two hundred one. Not the intro, but two trans people talking about transness together. Mm. And also um, an episode, if you, if you like the vibes of a game like uh, This Party Sucks, you'll probably like our episode where we took a bunch of uh, suggestions and quotes from other people. People sent us messages they wanted to tell their younger selves. Oh. And we read That's them out cool. and sort of sorted them by themes. Cool. And talked about like the many things we wish we knew when we were younger and how to be like sort of kind looking back at your younger self. Um, so Queerly Yours podcast, uh, highly recommend you give that a listen if you want, uh, and follow me on Twitter if you want updates on my RPGs. I also have a Patreon. I can't guarantee you'll get many rewards right now. Uh, I have a full-time job in after-school childcare, and I'm very tired when I get home. But when I do make neat little new things, I do also put them and promo them there. I often will put up previews of games I'm working on while they are in progress. Great. Uh, but awesome. yeah, and I'm a chatty bastard and I like being on podcasts. So if you have podcast things about RPGs or queer relationships, uh, those are my jams or oh, weird yeah. TikTok things Wonderful. that became my jam unintentionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at. All right. Um, Ollie, do you have anything you want to plug for this one? I don't have anything. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, John Dante. N- not me. No, not right now. Don't perceive me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess the one other thing I will put out there is uh, if you you like my game and the energy of my game, Mm -hmm. my partner, Angela, is about to release a game, I think at the beginning of April, Mm. which I will certainly be boosting and sharing about so you can find it there. And it is also going to be a three-player game that is very deeply about feelings. It is a grief and loss processing game oh. that then tries to walk you out tenderly at the end. So okay. very interested yes. in that. So that yeah. will be exciting. So keep an eye. Awesome. Yeah. Keep that, that on our radar. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that concludes, uh, part two of our, this party sucks, uh, play and discussion. Um, and, uh, we look forward to seeing y'all next week. We don't know what we're playing yet, but, um, Hopefully you'll join us then. Exit music. Exit music. Womp, 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 womp. Bam.